discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to tonight's glorious service. I know last week you are blessed. Get ready for this week. It will not be a small thing at all. I know you are going to be increased in the wisdom of God. You know, nobody explains the word of God like Dr. George does. Sometimes you, you wonder if you are reading the, the same Bible as he reads. You know, one of our pastors was saying that he should write a, a commentary, you know, for the Bible because he's, God has blessed him with such wisdom. And we are blessed to have this glorious, beautiful, wonderful man of God who lives what he says, you know, teaching us and helping us with the word. Tonight is going to continue on uh, health and success. And he's going to continue along the lines of communion, offering and fights and success in, in, in family and all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how important is the communion when it comes to your health? How should we partake of the communion? Is the communion important at all? How often should we partake of the communion? These are many more questions that are answered by um, this wonderful servant of God this evening in this particular message. I don't think you want to miss it. So take us into the message. Be blessed. Take your pen. Take your book, your notebook. Get ready to write something down. Don't just listen to the message. Take notes because these are life-transforming, life-altering messages that you need for your life and for your success. Prosperity is yours. And health is yours as well. So enjoy the message. I'll see you after. God bless now the you. next thing I want you to have for sustenance of divine health is communion. As much as possible, take it very often. I wish you take communion every day. It's my wish for you. I wish above all things <laughs> that you take communion daily. Listen, I take communion daily. Daily. Today I wasn't home, so I've not taken it. I trust to take it when I go home. I take communion daily with my children, my family, household, because I know what it does. Brethren, this communion is the eternal prescription of the great physician for our malady and malfunction. Listen, communion is more powerful than any medicine Dr. Yvonne can prescribe to you. But I'm not saying throw away the prescription. <laughs> Praise God. It's powerful. And I want us to have it often. Don't let a week pass by without taking communion. Don't let a week pass by. Because this was the New Testament pattern. It was lost in church history. 
When I go to Revelation, I say, thank you, Jesus. Now, we take it daily. So much that my children, if you don't take it, they will come and remind you. Yeah. Shammai will come and say, Daddy, Daddy, I want to take the blood of body. <laughs> you know? Can you give me the blood of body? <laughs> the blood of body. Can you imagine? Pastor T called and my daughter, she will be five in October, told Pastor T that when you come, what did she say? We'll take communion when you come. <laughs> yeah, she's five next month. The last time she went to the hospital was when she was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. Communion is powerful. When I went to the room, she kind of had drunk um, death, death all. Look at your faces. <laughs> she's alive, but she's not dead. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, taking communion doesn't mean you never be sick. But it means that it will reduce and it will keep reducing. It doesn't mean that automatically your body is translated to a glorified body. That, no, no, no. <laughs> You know, some people believe that oh, once I take it, that is it. No, 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 no. But it will be reducing. It will be getting lesser. It will be getting lesser. It will be getting lesser. And you will escape so many things you would otherwise wouldn't have known. You know, you will escape so many things. So come in. Let me tell you something. Gift of healings, eh? Gift of healings. Mysteriously, in First Corinthians 12, there are many gifts there. The word of wisdom. Word of knowledge, prophecy, interpretation of tongues. It is only when it came to healing, the Bible added gifts. But all the rest are gifts. But when it came to healing, the Bible added gifts. No gifts start with gifts. But when it came to healing, the Bible says gifts, healings. And the word is charismata. God wants to just import and impress the emphasis on us. The charismata is the word grace. That means that something you can never earn or merit. That is given to you freely. The gift of healings are free. Are free. But you see, the gift of healings primarily are not for the church. They are primarily for the world. And it is for the church in secondary sense, not in primary sense. I'm telling you. God didn't intend that the gift of healings will be used so much for the church members. It is because we've fallen, we've, we've, <laughs> we've fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. <laughs> so now, what God ordained was communion. I'm not saying it shouldn't be used for the church. It's for us in secondary sense, secondary sense, but in primary sense, it's for the world. What God ordained for the church. Now listen, the early church took communion daily. Daily. They took communion every day. But why are we not doing it? Let's see, let's see it. Act chapter 2. Let's start from verse 42. They took it daily. The Lord says, health and success. Health. Mokoma shakata. Sometimes when the devil sees that we are going on well and he's envious of what is happening, he tries to bring sicknesses. But we have seen, we are not ignorant of his, his devices. God, we know, God has shown us health before whatever comes. 
and we will, we will perfect health and work in health no matter what. If I've been diagnosed with any kind of sickness, never be alarmed. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. Bigger than that. As when you are standing up and you feel a sharp pain, you know, don't go like, hey. hey. I said it, oh, I said it, I said it. Hey. This is what you said, ancestors. I said it. <laughs> now, when you feel sudden pain, what is your immediate reaction? I reject it in Jesus' name. few weeks ago, I felt sudden pain, sharp pain. I literally unconsciously began insulting the pain. And the pain ran away. You, you can't stay with such insults. You can't stay. <laughs> yeah. I don't insult. I insult spiritual enemies. Sicknesses, pain, poverty, you know, these, these enemies. Yeah. I curse them freely. <laughs> And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, when we say breaking of bread, you're not talking about banco and tilapia <laughs> or jollof rice. <laughs> when you read it, you may think that is breaking of bread. No. No. In doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, that's communion. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, and you see what breaking of bread is. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break. So, bread breaking was a time for taking communion. Bread breaking. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the blood of, of the body of Christ? So, let's go back. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So, the Bible says that. And in breaking of bread and in prayers, let's go on. 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Let's go on. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, look at it, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with, with gladness and singleness of heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, in the early church, they had a lot of love feast. They had communion. Most of the times, what happens is that they will eat and break communion. It was together. So, you can even break communion your supper time or breakfast. After eating, you break communion. You can do it like that. And the Bible says that they broke the bread from house to house. What it means is that if I visit you, now these days, if you visit me, I'll, I'll serve you with other series or can berry or something like that, and I'll serve you with biscuits or chips or cake. But in, from the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, if you visit me, my first consideration is communion. And from my house, you go to the next brother's house, and he serves you with communion. And if you go to five houses in a day, <laughs> if you go to five houses in a day, <laughs> Five houses in a day, you take communion five times in one day. So don't you think it would be a good practice for a love economy? <laughs> love economy chapter one, verse two. <laughs> 
Now, that doesn't mean if you visit any, any lab, economy brother or sister, the biscuit and the bread and the food shouldn't come. It must come. There's the food, then there's the breaking of bread. <laughs> yeah. We do it from house to house, house to house, house to house, daily. So the early check did it daily. Then they did it, they, there was also the weekly, they also met weekly for communion. Acts 20 verse 7. Acts 20 verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, that's a Sunday. The first day of the week is Sunday. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break, to break bread, you see, that's a communion. The disciples came together to break bread. Paul preached unto them. So, they didn't get together to hear Paul. They got together to break bread and Paul preached. So, the emphasis was not Paul preaching. They got together to break bread. Because of all that Jesus said we should do in remembrance of him, of all that he, he did, he ordained the communion. Do this in, in remembrance of me. That means that is his love language. That's his love language. Because he says, this, this do in remembrance of me. He loves it. Praise God. So it was done often. 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 Because the reason why Paul says that, now, look, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29 and 30. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. Yeah. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The next verse. For this reason, not these reasons, for this reason, many are weak, sick among you, sickly among you, and many sleep. Now he's giving the reason why there are so many weak people in the church. There are so many sick people in the church and those who sleep, they die prematurely. But they, they die and go to heaven. They go to heaven earlier than they were supposed to go. So they sleep because believers don't die, we sleep. So, he said for this reason many are weak. So you go to a church and people are dying, people are weak. Weak, 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 weak. And many are dying. It's because number one, we don't take communion. And if we take it, we don't take it with understanding. To discern is to understand. The Corinthians, they were messing up. I know you know the story. They were taking the communion to satisfy their stomach, their hunger. That is why there were sick people among them. So, this communion is ordained to heal our bodies. Amazing. Malaria. Cancer. Coronavirus. Before the virus, there were this couple that came to my house before the virus and we spoke. But the lady was, you know, more of faith. She was a woman of faith. She just believed the word. She just, you know, she loves faith. You know, I'm not talking about Pastor Faith. She loves <laughs> the message on faith. So apparently, when the virus came and there was a shutdown, the lockdown, her husband had the virus. So when they went for checkup, they were together sleeping on the same bed in the same house, holding their hands. They went for the checkup. The husband had, she didn't get it. She was negative. The husband was positive. 
Because she was always speaking faith. Speaking a word. It's personal. Now, I know two couples like that. And they told me personally. Can you imagine? And all of them, the women, they didn't get it. It was the men. It's, it's true, eh? Yeah. Doc said it's true. <laughs> it's amazing. So now, the Bible says that when we take the communion, now when it says this do in remembrance, in remembrance of me, in the Hebrew, remembrance is not like English remembrance. In Hebrew, the word remembrance means reliving the situation. It's reenactment. You, uh, you see it as if it is happening now. So when you take the bread, you see Jesus as if he's been crucified presently. Now, Jesus, when John saw him in Revelation 5, when he saw him in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the elders and of the four beasts, he was as a lamb who had been slain, freshly slain. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, he saw Jesus as a lamb who just died. Freshly slain, as if he is just dying. Yet, the same person was crucif- sacrificed or crucified from the foundations of the world. So his death is eternal. The cross was outside of time. It's, it's timeless. So when you break the bread, see that every disease, all diseases, judicially, he carried it. See him. See your sickness on Jesus when he was sketched. If you have any terminal disease, see it on him. If you have any problem on your body, see it on him as you break it. Just see it. Now, people make a mistake and they take communion and they... Communion is not for intercession or supplication. You don't take communion and say, Oh Lord, as I take this communion, please heal my body. No. You take communion, there's only one thing. It's for thanksgiving. You only give thanks. It's for thanksgiving alone. Look at the Bible. Jesus took it, broke it, and gave thanks. The cup of blessing which we bless. So communion is not for praying that God should heal you. It's not for intercession or supplication. <laughs> it's not taking that God will heal you. No, communion is always in a, the effect. You break it and you thank him for having healed you. So you take the bread first. You break it. So I like to use, um, now you can use any bread or biscuit. Especially the biscuit that has holes in it. And where pa- part of it is bent. Yeah, it's like the matzah bread in, in Israel. Because Jesus was pierced. Jesus was pierced. And some of the biscuits have stripes in it. We see his stripes. And some are partly bent. Because Jesus, like the roasted lamb, he carried the wrath of God. He was bent. Uh-huh. So when I see that biscuit, I have a, you know, it's so powerful. <laughs> I just see it. <laughs> then you break it. And you thank you for taking away all my weaknesses, all my sicknesses, all my death. I honor you. Thank you that judicially you've carried it away. On a legal basis, I'm not supposed to carry my disease. You bore it away. Thank you, Jesus, for having loved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anytime you have communion, see yourself on the master's table. 
and see yourself receiving from him. Remember he said, the bread is the healing of the children. See yourself as Jesus saving you with the communion and breaking it. Thank you. Then you take the wine and thank him that all your sins are forgiven. That is it. You thank him that all your sins are forgiven. And you see, this blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood is speaking health for you. The blood is speaking provision, protection, and all that. It's so powerful. We, we have a, a Muslim who was converted in, in, in Nigeria. He's, an, he's a Nigerian Muslim who was converted to the faith through communion. Yes. And he lives with us. In fact, he lived in the same room for more than a year. He got converted through communion. And you know what happened? His father is one of the top chief imams in Nigeria. And he was going somewhere else and this preacher was having this crusade and they were distributing communion. Yes, distributing communion. And the usher gave him the communion. So he said, no, why are you giving me this? I'm a Muslim. I don't believe in these things. And the usher said, you take it and see. So the usher convinced this Muslim, can you imagine, to take the communion. But that beats every theology I have. Up to now, I don't have all answers. <laughs> Convince the Muslim to take the communion and see what Jesus will do. Apparently, this guy had a sickness from birth. And whenever he urinates, blood comes out. Yes. And that has been there for 36 years. And it happens whenever he sleeps. See blood on the, on the bed. So he received the communion and said, Isa, is it Isa? If you are who they say you are, <laughs> then I'm taking this communion. Heal me and I'll follow you forever. He took it, went home, and for the first time in 36 years, he was healed. So what happened is that they couldn't, his family members were so angry that he was following Jesus because he was bringing shame and disgrace to the family. So they plotted to kill him. So they poisoned his food. So he was hungry about to eat. Then when he sat down, he remembered that the, he opened the fridge and there was no water in the fridge. So he quickly went outside to buy water. So when he went outside, he met this footballer who engaged him. He never knew him anywhere. Engaged him on a long conversation. Can you imagine? Oh, spoke for about 30 minutes. So he was one. After the conversation, he got to buy the water. The woman had no change. <laughs> Stood there. So by the time he got back to eat the food, and he was poisoned by his senior brother's senior brother and his wife poisoned him. By the time he got there, their two kids had gone down and they were so also hungry and they were eating the food. So when he got there, he just mentioned their names and said, why, why are you dishonoring me? Why are you now eating my food? Has it come to this that now you come to eat my food? So when their parents heard of it, they screamed, my children, you have killed us. <laughs> so they rushed and came and took them and put them in a car to the hospital. Can't imagine, they were not dead though. They were not dead yet. They took them and put them. Before they got to the hospital, they were dead. So they framed and they changed the whole story against him that he poisoned them. So it, was, it wasn't an easy case. So they put him in, in prison, in the cell, and the whole thing was a court case. So he kept praying, he kept praying, and 
the maid servant in the house came to expose expose <laughs> his brother and his and, 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 and his brother and his brother's wife. Yes, his brother and the wife. And that's how the judge let him go. Now the judge called him and said, I want you to run away to Ghana. Because there are many Christians there who can help you. If you stay here, you are going to be killed. So he ran to Ghana. And when he ran, when he came to Ghana, he met someone who connected them to us. So now he lives with us. So he's lived with us for how many years? Three years, eh? Uh, yeah. Communion. It's amazing. Communion. <laughs> it's amazing. Mr. Boydipo said there was this woman. Her daughter couldn't sleep. And she was, she was never convinced to take communion. So one day she ministered communion. She took communion and ministered the communion to her child. A year old, a year old child. That child instantly put live ant. Live ant. And the second scenario, the same scenario, the child put two life, two human years. Human years. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> This one is calling Nigeria. Nigeria. (laughs) Praise God. For me, about four years ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw Johnson Suleiman. He was preaching powerfully. And I was sitting down. And in the, in the dream, he came to me and called me to prophesy to me. Then he told me that God was, God was going to use me for a lot of things, great things, but the devil has planned against my health. And it is very dangerous and serious. Then in the dream, he told me that the, re- only re- the remedy for this, to, for me to escape what Satan is going to do against my health was to take communion for 600 days, continuous, daily for 600 days. It was a dream. So from after the dream, I took communion daily for 600 days. After 600 days, I felt like the thing was so sweet. Why don't I continue? <laughs> because in my own life, I could, sometimes I could feel I was sick. You could, I can feel this is I, I, my body is not well. But I'm telling you, for the past four years, all those things are gone. I, I see there's a change in my body. Like there's a change, there's a change. I believe in communion, I believe in divine healing, but the, the, I used to take it once in a while. Sometimes my wife has to remind me before I take it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for our wives. <laughs> so, and, and I can bear living testimony. Yeah. Testimony. So we feed on it daily. Yeah. So we've had health. Since we got married, we've never been to a hospital before. Health. Uh, medicine, health. When there's ill feeling, you fight a good fight of faith. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're not going to have some kind of feeling on your body and kind of symptoms of, you, you stand, 
We are in this tabernacle, which is frail. That's what God has given us the communion. Now, he says that if you take the communion, he said, as often as you do this, ye do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. So communion is a non-verbal way of demonstrating that Christ died. You know what it means? It's a non-verbal demonstration of the death of Christ. How do you demonstrate his death? By your health. Jesus died, and not only, not only did he deal with our sins, he also removed our sicknesses and diseases. So you can demonstrate to your neighbors, to your household, to your mates, to the world, that he truly took away our diseases by manifesting health. It's a nonverbal demonstration of the redemption of Christ. You show forth. You demonstrate his death. How do you show his death? By your health. By not getting sick. <laughs> you show it. Listen, there is curse in the, in the race. In the human race. Now, if you take the communion with that understanding, the Bible says that you are drinking damnation to yourself. Now, that is a proverbial. Should I use the word proverbial? You know, what it means is this. Assuming you are facing, you are, you are experiencing, you are feverish or you are having malaria. And I give you medicine to drink that will solve the issue. If you refuse to drink the solution, what will help solve the issue? If you refuse it and put it aside, you're actually drinking damnation. That's what Paul is illustrating here. So if you refuse the communion by discerning the body, there is damnation already in the world. There is the sentence of death already in the world. You are partaking of it. But the communion will offset the case and it will reduce the natural aging process in your body. Praise God. Brethren, we are blessed. Praise God. So all that I've said, go and do likewise. Communion. The problem is that when you take communion daily, a time will come that it, you can become so used to taking communion that now the sacredness and the reverence attached to it can reduce over time. So you have to keep hearing on communion or reading on communion and keep the reverence every time so you can have the effect. Body. Take it before you and love Jesus. Just love him. Just love him. His body was broken. Just see him. See, when they saw him, there was no desire that they should be. They we hid as it were our faces. You know, Jesus, he was so much beaten that when you saw him, it was like he was like a grotesque. He was in a quivering form, grotesque in a quivering form. They they couldn't bear his sight. The Bible says his countenance and his visage was so marred more than the sons of men. Jesus went through a lot for us. Listen, he paid for your sickness. You don't need to pay for it yourself. Legally, judicially, he has borne it. Surely, he has borne. I like when the Bible says, surely. <laughs> do, you know that, do you know that in Isaiah 53, when he bore our sins, the Bible didn't say surely. When he bore our sins, the Bible never said surely because God knew that we'll never have trouble believing that Jesus bore our sins. But God foreknew that we'll have trouble believing that Jesus bore our sicknesses because we feel the pain, yet the Bible says by his stripes we are healed, yet we feel it. So the problem, <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter of faith. 
But physically, we feel it. So God knew we would be challenged in this area. So when it came to sickness, he said, surely. But when it came to sin, he never said surely. He said, surely he has borne. Hallelujah. He has, he has carried it away. So brethren, if the Bible has said it, I believe it. If it's, it is written, then I believe it. I'll go for it. Brethren, it is simple. And love economy, let us hold on to the word. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see success is mine. Now, in Joshua 1.8, God's will is for us to have good success. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. You know the, the verse. Uh-huh. But thou shalt meditate day and day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written there and all that. It's too long to quote. Then thou shalt have good success. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what I like is a good success. And all of us will have good success. 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 Good success. Not every success is a good success. There are many who are successful, but they don't have good success. They have a lot of money, but their health is breaking down. What is the use of, they have a lot of money, but they have no relationship with their family. They have no time for their spouses and for their children. So the success is not a good success. It is not all-round success. You have money, but you can't even spend time with your spouse and with your children. It's not good success. You have money, but you can't even spend time with God. You are too busy. It's not good success. But God wants to give us good success. Family-wise. Parenting. Business. Job. Ministry. We are ordained to have all-round success. The Bible says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now when you read Colossians 1, 26, 27, Christ in you, to whom God willed or will make known what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That hope is not as in future glory, although it bears an idea of future glory. But he's talking about the glory the apostles, sorry, the prophets of old spoke about. Christ in you is the realization of the hope that was spoken of. Is a realization of the glory, the hope of the glory that was spoken of in the past. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, actually means that Christ in you is the certainty, the guarantee, and the assurance that everything that comes out of your life will be good and successful. <laughs> because he is in you, he is a certainty and a guarantee that your life is going to be glorious. It's going to be very excellent. Glory to God. I have a certain version here. That is so. Do you have um, the TPT version? Okay, let's read them. Um, Second Peter chapter one verse four. TPT. I have TPT here. Let me read verse three of Second Peter chapter one. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. He says everything that we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. So brethren, 
Whatever you need is already in you. It's already in you. Good success. Good success. Good success. Now, he says that, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. The word prosper is the Greek word. It's hard to mention it. How do you mention E-U-D-O-O? E-U-D-O-O. How do you mention that? <laughs> it's from the word E-U. E-U is good. E-U in Greek is good. Then it's from the word E-U and odos. Can we get the word odometer? So actually it means good road. Good road. That's the word prosper. I wish above all things that you have good road. <laughs> I wish above all things that I wish above all things that when Tessaros is completed fully, from here to the junction, we'll have good road. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> good road. So it's a word for, you know, a good journey. Making a good journey or having a desired accomplishment. Fulfilling a purpose, a desired accomplishment. But the first time the word success is used in the Bible, sometimes it's the same word success, sometimes it's the word prosper. You know, Genesis 24, 21. The word prosper there is the same word in the Septuagint or in the Greek version of the old, is the same word prosper. You know, it's the word euodos or euodo. Uh-huh. And here it means doing things at the right time, at the right place. It, it actually means God, God orchestrated happenings. God orchestrating your happenings. Uh-huh. God wants to orchestrate our happenings. God wants us to prosper. Good success. But you see, number one, family life. We must succeed in our family life, number one. Family life. Brethren, love economy, God has given us all-round success. First of all, you must succeed in your family, family life. Something is happening in our age. Now look at 2 Timothy 3. And let me show you something. Something is happening in our day that there's a spirit of the age that we must overcome. 2 Timothy 3, quickly. This know also that in the last days, now we are in the last days, perilous times shall come. One day I'll come and teach on all of this word by word. Then you will know the times we are in. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boosters, proud. Hmm. They have dangerous meanings, blasphemous, and this is, I mean, these are manifesting now. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. The next one, without natural affection. Without natural affection. What does it mean? Now, without natural affection doesn't mean that men will not have desire for women. That's not the meaning. Something that's the meaning. Actually, the opposite will happen. Now, is the word astogos. Now, the word stogos is the word for family. In the Greek, stogos is family. But ah, whenever you see ah in the Greek, it's the reverse form. What it means is, is that in the last days, Many will not be devoted to family life. Many will not be committed to their families. 
So commitment to family will not be will not be there again in the last days. So families will not be bonded any longer. The courts that bound families, the affection, the love, the commitment will disintegrate. And that will be the norm in the last days. And this spirit is entering the church so that people cannot make time for their spouses. They cannot make time for themselves. And you go to outside. Now, this is a lot of things are happening these days. Multiple jobs, multiple tax, multiple jobs, you know, it's affecting the family system, the family system. Many are so busy that they can't even raise their own children. Now, in Ghana, most people wake up in the morning and they will take sponge the child's sponge and soap and everything and the dress and the dress the child will wear or the school uniform and send the child to school. So they have to bath the child in school. <laughs> now it happens in Accra here. It happens a lot. Yeah. Because the child is raised by others. By teachers. So in the last days, men are going to become so busy. The hustle and the bustle of the, of the millennium. Now when we were young, there was only one television. And we all gather as a family to watch. But now every room has a fam- has, has a television. Now it, just, it destroys family union. Even the way our houses are built can destroy family, you know, bondness. We must be skillful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife tells me that when we build our house, our children, we should give them one common bathroom. So they will learn how to scrub. They will learn how to clean it. They will know, you know, it, yeah. But if they have their own washrooms, yeah. So in those days, one television, you shouldn't have television in every room. I, I don't believe in that. Now, when I married him, we, 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 I had a, a, a television I used as a bachelor, which is a nice television. So I planned that I will move that to my bedroom. Then we'll have a new one in the hall. Whilst I was planning, I had a vision. God, says, God said, I should never, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have television in my room. I never understood it. Later on, I, I understood it. The time for intimacy and for talking and for oneness will be spent on television. And I thank God I never put television in the bedroom. That's the next thing I'm coming on. <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. Husbands and wives, they are on the same bed. Neighborhood without brotherhood. <laughs> Community without communion. So this social media is destroying marriages. Destroy marriages. Destroy marriages. Facebook. All the books. <laughs> we must learn to put them as I'm telling you, I've, I'm, I'm solving marriage problems, counseling every week. And I solve uh, pastors, a pastor and pastor's wives, and the problem is social media because. They can't commune in the, in the bedroom because they are so, they are so busily they are busily stuck with Facebook that there is no intimacy. 
May God deliver us from all these things. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Brethren, don't exchange quality time with quality time with your spouse with um, social media. You have to live wisely. You have to please each other. Now, if your wife wants more of your attention and your wife craves that you come home a little earlier, why don't you do that for her? That will increase and improve the, the, the quality of the marriage. If you come home a, li- a little earlier and she's happy, do that. It will work, it will work back. It will come back to you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For instance, if as a pastor, as a preacher, if I'm preparing a message, my message, and I feel that my wife needs my attention and I have some time. If I give her the attention and come back, somewhere, somehow, supernaturally, I receive speed to complete it. I don't know how it happens, but if you pretend as if you have not seen her, <laughs> you will struggle at seven hours. <laughs> you, you are not seeing top. <laughs> yeah. So we need quality. Please make time together. Make time. Can't you learn from pastor? Every year he goes on vacation with his beloved wife. <laughs> Every anniversary they are somewhere. Spending quality time. Listen, if I'm married in this church, you have to follow, follow them. The vacation is powerful. All of us will go for vacations. Now by the time you go for a vacation and come back, the marriage, the intimacy has deepened wider. Stronger. Stronger. And when you go, make sure your phones are off. Your phones must be off. It's just the two of you. <laughs> you don't speak to anyone except it is, it is emergency. Yeah. By the time you come back, save for your vacation. Plan well for your vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Spend wisely. Give generously. Give generously. Spend wisely and save diligently. You can save for your vacation little by little. And go and have fun with your wife. Enjoy the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Uh, is it not in the Bible? I'm, I'm quoting the Bible. The Bible says so. If you don't do that, very soon you will say, Stolen waters are sweet. But drink waters out of thine own system. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I mean, without natural affection, the next is truth breakers. Now, it follows, though. One day I'll teach it, it follows. Truth breakers is actually covenant breakers. Now, in view, it's talking about breaking the marriage covenant. So, because of lack of affection, commitment and devotion to one's family, the result, the resultant effect of lack of devotion to one's family is breaking the covenant of marriage. 
So today, in America, one out of every two marriages ends in divorce. One out of two ends in divorce. But we are called to make a difference. Then we need wisdom from God for parenting. Parenting. How to raise your kids with wisdom. How to raise them well. The Bible says your children, Psalm 127, God ordained that your children must be olive plants run about your, your table and your wife as a fruitful vine run about your house. Take time and meditate what it, it means. Your wife must be a fruitful vine. Now, when I see a man who is polished, I don't look at him. If I want to see a, a man, if I want to see you doing well, what I examine is your wife. If a preacher is preaching, I don't always listen to what he's saying. If I listen, I just want to see his wife's reaction to the message. Whether he's saying the truth or he's just... (laughs) (laughs) But if you are preaching, your wife wife is busily making notes and your wife is smiling. Yeah, I know you're a good husband. (laughs) You may pretend for a while, but it cannot last. (laughs) It cannot last. Yeah, The Bible says that the glory of the man is the woman. You know what it means? The glory of the man is the woman. Your wife is your glory. So if you want to see how successful a man is, look at his wife. Your success is not your pocket. Your success is not what you have achieved. Your glory is the, is the woman. When you meet a woman and the woman is moody, she is dull, she is depressed, you can see, if you see her face, her face looks like a Pharisee. Just see that the problem is the man. Your husband is just, your wife is just a reflection of you. And the, your wife is your glory. Listen, the moon, the, the moon has no light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. Your woman is your glory. Your wife is your glory. She is reflecting you. So most of the times, men, if you see the fault you constantly see in your wife, not always, but sometimes it's a reflection of an unseen defect that has long been unrecognized in your own heart. Because she is your glory and she is an extension of who you are. Why am I on the men only tonight? <laughs> God. Yeah. An evangelist went to a city and asked of a brother how a brother was doing. The response was this. I cannot tell how he's doing in the faith because I've not seen his wife. If I see his wife, then I can tell how he's doing in the faith. Because his wife is his glory. Your wife is your glory. But if I see your wife and she's radiant, she's bright, she's smiling, she's happy, she's full of joy, she's your reflection. That's who you are. very important very important praise God and we need wisdom for parents and making time for our children you can't be too busy your children are God entrusted your children into your hands children are an heritage of the Lord the fruit of the womb is his the Greek word is the Hebrew word is salary that's God's salary and as 
as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the, what, the children of thy youth. So they are like arrows. You shoot them to hit a target. We be skillful, pray for wisdom to raise your kids. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. In Hebrew, the word go is not the word go. Amazing. The word go in Hebrew is the word for mouth. So, train up the child in the way of his mouth. What your child says is very important. Train up a child in the way. The word way is the word Derek. <laughs> Literally, train the child according to his temperament. According to your child's temperament. You relate temp- temperamentally. How you relate to a sanguine is different from how you relate to what? A melan- melancholic. If you, if you switch roles, your child is going to be affected. Wisdom to raise our children. The Bible says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. Yeah. Spend quality time with your, with your child. Know when to discipline your child. You must be sensitive to the spirit. Know when to discipline your child. Even when they fail, your love must be certain for them. Why am I saying all these things? The Bible says that if a man know not how to take care of his own household, how shall he then take care of the church of God? So fundamentally, if you cannot keep your household and your family, you are disqualified from being a pastor or a leader. So if you qualify in your home, you can qualify for the church. So why are all the God wanted you to succeed? Because what is happening in life economy is that we are going to deal with challenges. Blessing people, dealing with people's issues, but we ourselves, we must be overcomers. <laughs> because if you are struggling, if you're, you are going through marital class, crisis and someone comes to bring a marital issue to you, and present an issue to, before you, whilst the person is speaking with you, or, or presenting the case, you can be so absent-minded and start thinking about your own case. You can be lost. And when it comes to yourself, you go like, please, can you repeat what you said? What did you say? A friend of mine went for marital counseling. And this guy sat before the counselor. For 10 minutes, the pastor wasn't talking. The first thing that came out of the pastor's mouth was, hmm, marriage. (laughs) Marriage. (laughs) Marriage. Hmm. Marriage. <laughs> I know of a pastor when I traveled to a certain place, I used to sleep in his house. He'd be asleep and he would open his eyes midnight, he would open his eyes and he would see his wife holding a knife on him, contemplating whether he should kill him or not, just with a knife. As a pastor, he got so troubled that he, he, he began drinking Guinness secretly. He was drinking Guinness secretly. And the wife caught him drinking, drinking, drinking Guinness. The wife took the bottle and went to church to report him. <laughs> Look at what your pastor is doing. <laughs> that will never be your story in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So brethren, I want us to have all around and make sure... Play the blood of your families. 
Plead the blood. Speak protection. The blood. Pray for your family. Speak over them. It's very important. Very important. Very important. Very important. Hallelujah. May you have success in your finances also. God don't want you broke. You shouldn't be broke. If you're in this ministry, you cannot be broke. Now, you people understand giving than many ministries. And may you advance in giving. Yeah. Because that is the kingdom secret. And God has given you the key. Keep using the key. Because many pastors are languishing, frustrated, because there is no money. But how can there be no money? Once the key is in the scriptures. How faithful you are with money is how faithful. Now, if you are faithful with money, God will promote you in ministry. It's in the Bible. You can go to Akira Mountains and lie down and pray 40 days and 49. But if you are not faithful with your finances, forget about it. You can't even be a local champion. Because in, in Luke chapter 16, verse 9 to 11, Jesus said, If therefore you have been unfaithful in the mammon of unrighteousness, who will commit unto you the true riches? Jesus says, If you cannot handle money. So, how well you handle money is how well God will commit the true riches. What are the true riches? Wisdom, anointing, ministry, authority. All these things come on you based on how well you handle money. So, please handle your money well, wisely. Take care of your families. There are people who give to people everywhere, but they will never give to their wives. Yeah. Go and chill your wife. Have time for your wife and chill your wife. And give well. Give generously. Give, 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 give. I mean, this ministry, I wish everyone is a, will become a, a millionaire. The wealth of the world will be converted. Just happen. Now, you people are givers. Become addictive givers. Giving should, should be an addiction. Almost like you are on, you are on a, a kind of Holy Ghost marijuana. No, Holy Ghost cocaine. You are, you are so addicted to giving. <laughs> the Paul says, you know what Paul said? I am glad of the coming of Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. For that which was lacking on our part, they supplied. They have refreshed my spirit also and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. He says, these guys, the house of Stephanas, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saint. It's an addiction. Praise God. Give, oh, give, 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 give. Give to, the, give to God, primarily. Give to God. Give your offerings. Because when you give, you receive true or false. Now you must, because you cannot be bound, you cannot be enslaved to your letter salary. For all that God is going to do for your life or with your life, your salary is nothing. And we are called to live in God's kingdom economics. So, abound. You see, what I do is that if before 2020, I sit down and I dream prayerfully. I dream about the kind of my offering. I dream. I, I, I dream. 
my Sunday offering. Because if I give this amount this year, why should I give the same amount the next year? What is wrong with me? No, I can't do that. Then how can I see improvement in my life? Sunday offerings are very important to People don't know. Listen, you can give tithe, but without offerings, you still not see abundance. Understand this. There's a blessing that comes with seed sowing. There's a blessing that comes with tithing. There's a blessing that comes with offering. There's a blessing that comes with alms giving. Each has its own blessing. But the tithe alone cannot make you wealthy. Okay. That's a serious statement. But let me show you in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I said it's in the Bible. Malachi. <laughs> Malachi 3 verse 10. Now whenever you read the Bible and some of the verses, I'm showing you the tithe is powerful, but it's not only tithe. Your Sunday offerings are very important. There are some people who, have, who, who complain. I know people have complained that why am I giving tithe and I'm not seeing anything. People have, especially in America. So we're giving tighter. Now, if you give tight well, you should see the improvement. Uh-huh. But God's economic principle is not just tight. Tight is premium, but others, other things are added to it. So for you to see economic bountifulness, you have to adopt all of God's principles of economy. Yeah. Everyone. But not everyone, it's not for everyone anyway. anyway. Not everyone can believe it. But if you start working in it, you'll see the evidence. Praise God. Let me show you what tithe does. And it's so powerful. Look at it. Bring ye all your tithe into the storehouse that they may be meat in, thine, in mine house. And prove me now herewith, see the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be not, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Praise God. Now, when you read the Bible, I know by this time you should know that when you see words in italics or in parentheses, they are not part of the original translation. They were supplied by translators. Sometimes it's good, but at the time, it's, it messes up with the original understanding of the, of the, of the text. So sometimes when you, whenever you see words in italics, try and read it without it. And read it with it. Whether, if it doesn't distort the meaning of the text, then that is it. So let's read without it and see how it will be. Listen, <laughs> are you here with me? <laughs> the whole Bible, this is the, this, there is no verse in the Bible that has more, more words italicized than this single verse. Seven words are in parentheses, are, are actually italicized in the King James Bible. So seven words actually are not in the original translation. So this is how it goes. Let me start. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) He says that. So this is the original. The rest are supplied by translator. That's why it's it's in bracket here. (laughs) He says that. Bring all the tithe. To the storehouse and prove me herewith. God says He will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, but that is not enough. He will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, but that is not enough. 
<laughs> so God says, you give the tithe. I open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, but that's not enough. You know why it's not enough? Now, check the law of first mention. The first time the windows of heaven was opened. In the Bible, whenever the, the windows of heaven is open, it speaks of rain. Rain. In the days of Noah, when the windows of heaven was opened, there was rain in torrents. Now, rain speaks of the divine blessing. Rain. So, tithe does a lot of things. Number one, tithe secures open heavens. The windows of heavens are opened and rain comes down. But the reason God says it's not enough is this. If the rain comes down and no seed is planted on the ground, the rain is wasted. If the rain, com the rain comes down, there must be seeds. But when seeds are planted in the soil and the rain comes down, the soil benefits. The seeds benefit. Because the rain comes to, to usher the germination of the seeds that are sown. But if those seeds are sown, the rain is wasted. True or false? That is why in this verse, God is not talking about tithe. Now look, look at it. Now, now, he says, the whole chapter, he says, you, you have robbed me, this whole nation. And you are asking, in what have you robbed me? He says, in, in tithe and offerings. Why did he say tithe and offerings? Because without the offering, the tithe is not enough. So the offering you give on Sunday secures the seats. And the tithe opens the windows of heaven. Because God was addressing in this chapter tithe and offerings, but we think it's only tithe. The offering is very important. So for me, what I give on Sunday is wonderful to God. I prepare it specially because I know my heavens are open, but the demand for me to secure the harvest, the, by the, the harvest I want, I give well to God on Sundays. <laughs> because in the chapter he's addressing tithe and offerings. Now, when you give tithe, your money is exempted from the case. The, if the first, if the first fruit, the principle of the first fruit also applies with the tithe because it's the first lens. If the first fruit tithe is holy, the lamp also is holy. When you present it to the altar, the tent sanctifies all your money from the case. That's a blessing. When you give the tithe, heaven opens. The Bible says you'll be a delightsome land. If you are doing business, everyone wants to invest in that business. Everyone wants, to, everyone wants to come to the church, partake in the church. You are delight some land. Then the windows of heaven are, are opened and the rain comes down. But God says, you have robbed me not only in tithe but also in offerings. The offering secures the ground. It secures the ground. How do you give offerings on Sunday? Mark chapter 10. Rather Mark 12, let's read verse 14. Now, this is the widow's offering. We know the widow's might. Verse 43 said, And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast in to the treasury, into the treasury. For they all did cast in of their abundance. But she of her wants did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Of the the word abundance here actually means that they had so much. They had so much, but you know how they used it? They paid for the light bill, they paid for the water bill, they paid for the school fees, they paid for DSTV bills, they paid for all the all the what? All the bills. Every kind of bill, bill. 
KFC bill. <laughs> and after using the money for all that they, have, they want to use for, the leftover, what was left, was what they came and cast into the treasury. So God wasn't their first consideration. That's the word abundance in Greek. So that gives him the understanding that we shouldn't give, make our offering. We shouldn't, it should be our Sunday offering, you know, must not be, we shouldn't have all our money and use all of, all of it. When they get to the leftover, then we'll pick it and come and give it to God. It's not worship. What I do is that I have different envelopes. I have, a, I have an envelope. In the course of the week, every blessing, now every blessing I get, I give a portion for offerings. And that depend, that's you and the Holy Ghost. When you must be satisfied within, there's peace within. I don't want to leave my leftovers to God. No, I, I, that, that's not how I work with Him. So you strike a percentage for your, you, you take your tithe, then also for your offerings. It must not be touched. Take the best currencies, the nicest ones, and put it there. Say, Father, I worship you. Because it's your worship offerings. In the book of Psalms, it's your worship. Your offering is worship. Now, for some of you, maybe 20 Ghana City, God will honor it because you don't have much and you've given a lot. And for some, 1,000 Ghana City will be an insult because you have so much. Begin where you are and you see the increase. I'm not saying go and conjure what you don't have. No, no, no. no. Just the letter you have, just be faithful and give what honors God. And you see. And whatever, any given I want to give, I, I, I start by saying it. No, I go like 2021. In the name of Jesus, I'll give this offering Sunday by Sunday. That's, what I, that's, that's how I begin. I begin three months to, or sometimes four months to, or five months to, the next day, I'll start prophesying. I'll prophesy what I want to give for tithe. I'll prophesy all the kinds of givings. I speak it. I speak it. Hallelujah. And as I speak it, I believe it. And, and none has ever failed. Not one. Praise God. So these things, as you give your tithe faithfully, give your offering faithfully to God. Are you here with me? Are you angry with me? Because I said that is not enough. <laughs> so God is always giving you rain, but there's nothing on the ground. So you see other blessings. You are delighted. Some land. There are other blessings that come with Titan. Now I'm not teaching this one exclusively. Yeah. I didn't even know I'm going to talk about it actually. Uh-huh. But that is not God has principles of economy, biblical principles of economy. And when we get into it, works. Your pastor will tell you more. And you people, you are great people. Great, it's great. But I want to say that what how we have begun. Let's continue. Yeah, and you have no lack amongst us. Not one will lack amongst us. We need success in, in this area of life. And we can do so much for God. So much for God. So success in your family, then success in your in your marriages and everywhere. And you have total health. Perfect health. Then serving God be full of joy. Full of joy. So brethren, this is what God said, I should come and say. It wasn't even my plan. So,
God says health and success. Hallelujah. 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 A time is coming that life economy will have to build a branch somewhere. It will be your, you alone. You will sign a check. It will cover everything. Send a check. A check. Today I heard that when Pastor Chris came to Ghana, a young man in Christ Embassy signed a check, $800,000. He's in his status. And everything Pastor Chris, they, they built, <laughs> I think he bought a house for Pastor Chris and everything, and got a new car. It was from the one person. $800,000. He just signed it. I heard Pastor Chris invited him. Bidin Lawa linked him to Pastor Chris and sat with him in the house. Pastor Chris said, I've released one of my angels of prosperity to you. <laughs> now, the guy makes $1 million every month in Ghana. The land he has, eh? It is foreigners who are working on the land. I don't know what the story, provided them can tell you better. What? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Today you are surprised, but very soon you could be on it. Hallelujah. And when we get this money, it will never move us. Now, if you have all this money, how how much can you spend? It's not for us, it's for the gospel. I want to get, get wealthy for the gospel. Now I'm sufficient. Whatever I want to eat, I can eat. So the money counts for others. Yeah. So we are going to do great things for the Lord. Great things for the Lord. Great things. Great things. Hallelujah. So every time I think of you, I feel like God is giving you responsibility. I feel like you are a, a generation God has chosen. No, no, don't. Please close your eyes. Can you close your eyes? Wow. wow. What a word. What a word. I will never be poor in my life. I've found my way. I tell you, you see, you see, you see how important offerings are. Yes. You see, offerings are important. Some of us are not even giving our tithe, let alone giving our offerings. If you're not giving your tithe, how will the rain come? The rain will not come on your, on your, on your ground. And if you're not giving your offerings as you're supposed to, you are not putting anything. There are no seeds in the ground for the rain to bring forth that seed into fruits. You need to be smart. You know, there are things that God has, the avenues that God has provided for us because he cares so much about our, our finances and our prosperity in every sphere of our lives. Do you see? And you need to take advantage of it. Be smart. Yeah. There are a lot of Christians who leave these things to, to, the, to the air. To chance, you know, and they never see the goodness of God in any way, in any form. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Remember what he said. Stop robbing God. Okay? Do what he says to do and watch your life move forward. You will sign checks of millions of dollars. I don't know if you remember what he said about that young man who signed a check of $800,000, almost a million dollars, for the servant of God to be taken care of. You will sign those checks. You will build churches for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So get ready. I mean, this is consistent. Practicing these things consistently is what causes you to prosper. Do you see?
is what causes you to prosper. You'll be blessed in your family life, like he said to you. So I'm, I'm glad these things have come to you. Now you, have, you do not have an excuse because you have, you have so much understanding. There's no excuse. You see, there's no excuse. Be a fighter. Be a fighter. Most of, most, most of us are not fighters. We've been talking about, but most of you are not fighting. So the whole, we are, we are, I don't know if you've noticed, in, in, in the month of October, we are talking about fighting. Do you see? That's what we are talking about as a, as a church. We are talking about fighting. Every Sunday morning, we are talking about fighting. Why you need to fight? And we are going to push everybody to fight. Because I don't want you to come and give me your, your trouble. Do you see? I don't want to hear that the car has knocked you down. No, we are not interested in that. One of our pastors sent me a message. He said that a car almost took him off his feet. You know, he almost died. And when, when, uh, uh, let me, let me, probably let me read the message to you. I think you like it. There's one reckless driver nearly swept me off the road just this noon. I missed by some few millimeters. Not meters, millimeters. Millimeters is meters to the power minus three. He says, one other rider approached me and said, the guy wants to kill you. I just smiled. And he says, my prayers is what is keeping him. No. There are some things you do for the Lord that prevents you from dying. Do you see? There are some things you do for the Lord that prevents you from dying. From, from dying, you know, unannounced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are things you do for the Lord that, that make, put you in another category altogether. Okay. You remember what he said? This church will not bury anybody. Yeah. We are not burying anybody in the next 50 years. The glory of God. We are going to stay alive. We are going to be a healthy, prosperous, successful church. And the church is made up of, it's not the buildings. It's the human beings are in the church. And you are part of it. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.